right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Real Freedom Podcast, where we're talking about building time and financial freedom through different opportunities in real estate. And as we've seen from a lot of our past guests, they have a few different irons in the fire, different things that they're working on in the real estate space. We've actually seen a lot of people, too, that have done stuff in real estate, which gives them freedom to do things outside of real estate. Um, But here today's guest, we have Aziz Shabazz. And Aziz has done a lot of things inside the real estate that kind of compound on top of each other. And we'll talk about how he's been able to build momentum with that. So um, he is a realtor, uh, personal and business financial coach. You are in Chicago area. Been in real estate for almost two decades. Um, You've worked on fix and flips over time, some rentals, townhouses. We'll get into that. Um, And really for you, It's just about helping people, finding different ways that you can help people, um, whether it's getting loans, whether it's helping them with financial literacy, educating them, obviously the real estate side, lending side. Um, So just you're you're a guy that likes to help people. And so we'll get into kind of how all of that works. So welcome to the show, Aziz. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, man. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I'm really excited about it, man. Thank you for, for the invite. Yeah, great. For the the folks listening, why don't you just kind of share a little bit about your background, how you got into the real estate space and and where it's gone from there, and then we'll dig in deeper. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I got into real estate probably about 18 years ago uh, when I bought my my first property. So I bought my first property when I was 23. Uh, And I just got into real estate because uh, I kind of knew early on that a few things were important, that credit was important. And then owning property was important, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, they always say that wealthiest people tend to be in real estate, right? So uh, I wanted to get into, into real estate. Funny story is, and a lot of people don't even know this story, is that um, when I wanted to buy my first property, uh, you know, you always hear this is this will be the biggest uh, investment in your lifetime, right? So I was like, man, okay, I was a little bit nervous about it, right? So what I did was, I started really going to the library, studying on it, um, and and I was in a lot of books and used the internet, et cetera, and um, I started learning about real estate, but I started learning about the loan process as well, and then uh, they used to have on, I'm probably showing my age, but they might still have it, but at bus stops, they would have these employment books Mm -hmm. in these boxes. And I, I I went, I was had one of those and I went to the back of, of the book and I saw uh, there was a position for a loan officer. And um, so I said, said, no experience necessary, et cetera. So I went on an interview and I got the job and the lady was like, I can't believe you are not already doing loans. I said, well, she said, how do you know all this stuff? And I said, I just studied on it. So she hired me right away. Um, and then uh, I end up doing actually my first loan for my property, uh, mm-hmm. and her name on it, et cetera. Cause I wasn't, you know, licensed. I was like more so the assistant and I actually did my first loan for my property. So, um, that's how, you know, deep I got into kind of learning about real estate. And then, uh, from there I, I bought my property. Uh, I, I started with a two unit. Uh, bought another two unit a, a little bit after that, and then got into some fix and flip and things of that nature, and um, you know, and then now we are here where we are today. But uh, the reason why I got into real estate as a realtor is because um, 
you know, people have been telling me because I have been helping people answering questions about real estate because I just became the guy to go to. And they always said, go get your real estate license. And I said, no, I'm not that type of person. I'm not a people person. I don't want to drive people in my car. (laughs) It just didn't seem like a good thing for me. And uh, so I put it off for a long time. And then um, I was at my nine to five job and uh, I had got five promotions in four years. And I knew the the business like the back of my hand. You know, I I didn't even have to think about it. And so then it was like I, I could take on something else. And uh, I decided that I wanted to sell two of my properties. I said, well, I don't want to pay a realtor. Maybe I'll just get my license. I'll sell them myself. You know, if I could sell, you know, five homes a year, maybe that's another car or that's a vacation or something of that nature. That was my only intention. And, um, you know, so I got my real estate license. I passed my exam. Uh, first try, you know, uh, I, I found out that was a major accomplishment later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, once I got my real estate license, I ended up closing about 17 deals my first year. I had sold about five houses before I had even sold my own property. So when I did that, I was like, okay, this is something that I could I could do. And um, I, I went on my second year to 22 transactions part-time. Then I decided to go full-time in my second year. And also, uh, because my two years had come, I uh, went and uh, uh, got my managing broker's license. I took the test to get my managing broker's license. I started my own office. My my top year when I was primarily focused on sales, I did uh, 11 million in sales value in Chicago. This the price point that I was in. I was 54 transactions. I wish it was, you know, 54 transactions in California. Uh, but you know that 11 million put me at the top five percent um out of over a million agents across the nation um and then since then i've i've moved my business to exp and uh i'm i'm i gotta say that's probably one of the best moves that i've I've made in real estate and now you have a a team as well right so other agents on on your actual team yeah so i have an organization you know at exp we have a ability to have an organization so i have agents in my organization but uh, i also have a small team as well Okay. So then talk about, um, and we'll kind of dig into some of these other items later, but talk about uh, kind of the the financial coaching that you're doing as well. Um, some of the stuff with with helping people with credit and loans, um, just so people can get a scope of kind of the full breadth of, of what you're doing in the real estate industry space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I got into the financial consultancy piece, which which originally was just credit restoration in the beginning. That, that's all that I was doing at first. And the reason why I, I tend to get into things because they like attached to something else, right? Like I got mm-hmm. a, I got my real estate license because I wanted to sell my properties. I don't just kind of like just get into things, right? It, it just has to make sense and has to flow. So um, I got into credit restoration originally because a lot of my clients, uh, well, individuals that I would talk to, they would get denied. And uh, it could be due to credit, late payments, collections, late uh, uh, repos on their cars and things of that nature. So they needed to clean their credit up to achieve home ownership. And I know how important home ownership is, right? Or even being able to buy an investment property, because some people say that buying a house, you know, is not an asset, it's a liability. Okay, well, even having your credit right to be able to buy an asset, uh, which may be a investment property or multi-unit. You live in one unit and rent the other unit, right? Um, And so I wasn't able to help them. 
right? So I got into credit restoration so that I could help them. But uh, when I got into credit restoration, I started doing that. It kind of evolved. And uh, I found ways to uh, be able to add additional services to my business. And then that's when we got into um, uh, business loans, right? So helping individuals uh, purchase real estate in their business name, right? But also helping uh, helping businesses uh, just get cash advances or um, uh, lines of credit or term loans, uh, invoice factoring, right? So we were able to get into that space as well, which kind of came from, you know, helping individuals buy real estate under their business name. And then from that, uh, we we added on the business credit uh, because most people don't understand building their personal credit and business credit are two different things. And you can have a business credit card or you can have a business loan and still not be building business credit. Right. That's something very important for people to understand. And they just all tied together. Right. And um, and so we've been rocking and rolling in that space and, you know, helping as many people as we can. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing to hear just thinking about how one piece led to another and then you wake up and, and you cover such a wide array of services to be able to help people. And the the cool thing is, is you understand how these things are tied together and how you can help people. And then what that does is that just opens up a lot of doors for you in the future. So you can decide, you know, which, which area are you going to drop in and spend your time on? And if not, you can find other people to help you, other people to help build those areas of the businesses and grow those areas of the businesses because you understand how all these things are tied together. And so, um, you know, me being in real estate, I I know a little bit about the loan process, but not nearly to the extent that you do. And so now you can really kind of stack stack the deck having all these different areas that you're helping people. And so so that's fantastic. Yeah. And the primary, when, when you say where I prim- primarily spend my time, I'm primarily spending my time as a real estate agent. Right. Um, You know, talking with buyers, sellers and helping my team to grow in real estate because everything kind of like that's the head of of the dragon. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything flows from that. Right. Because um, either individual wants to purchase uh, a home uh, in their personal name or in their business name or they need credit restoration because they can't purchase. Uh, It all kind of flows uh, from that. And then those same individuals that likely want to uh, purchase property may want to start a business at some point because we even help them, you know, when it comes to building business credit, we even help them establish their LLC from the very beginning, right? So um, those same individuals, usually if they don't already have a business, they have ambitions to have a business and we can help them there or they want to buy their they say, hey, I just bought this property, but I'm going to want to buy another property maybe in a year, two years. Uh, and I say, well, if you're going to buy that property, why don't you start building business credit and buy that property in your business name, you know, versus buying it in your uh, personal name and personal social security number, buy it under your EIN number, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just about doing things systematically in the right way. Um, of course, yes, we can go to a lender and buy an investment property under our personal name, put 20% down, but wouldn't it be better to buy it under your business name? And then you have that liability protection, um, and then, um, some tax advantages as well. 
Yeah, I love, you know, us running an investor focused real estate team. I love helping people see how the real estate purchase can be such a big asset for them. I remember as we were kind of making a transition from residential into the investor side, we had a a gal who was looking to sell her townhouse because she wanted to buy a house. And so the agent that was on my team working with her, uh, he said, hey, what have you ever thought about renting it out and then seeing if you qualify to still go buy another property. And so she had had some discussions and that's ultimately what she decided to do. And so, you know, as a, as a residential real estate agent, you might think like, oh, that cost me a sale because they didn't sell their house. But think about the wealth that she's going to be able to build by owning that. She might buy two, three, five, six more properties in the future because you helped her see the future path. And kind of similarly for you, you're helping people see that investment path, but you're also helping them get the loan, fix their credit to get the loan and kind of, you know, put put all those eggs into that basket. So, yeah, I see what you're saying about kind of the the real estate agent side is the head of the dragon and everything else kind of flows into that and, and through that. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to be uh, adding on. Um, I kind of mentioned this before we jumped on the call. We're going to be adding on uh, the ability to help those first-time home buyers uh, with home with uh, home loans as well. So that's another piece that's coming, um, and, and and it all it's these multiple streams of income for individuals that are looking at this call, like from the entrepreneurial side. It's the multiple streams of income, but they all flow into one. It's not mm-hmm. like it's taking an immense amount of energy, you know, to. Um, add these services to to my business or to your business uh, because it all flows into one. So I have a real estate team. I have a financial coaching team. And, um, you know, we're going to have a home loan team that we're rolling out right now. I have some loan officers that are already in my organization as well uh, for, for personal home loans as well. And individuals can, you know, contact me as well if they if they want to add these services to their business. Let's talk about building the real estate team a little bit. So, you know, you were a a solo agent, you had been part-time, kind of gone into full-time. There's a lot of people in that space where they're like, I'm a a solo agent right now. I've had some success. I don't really know what the next step is. And I don't really know what I want to do. Some people feel like starting a team just brings in a whole new can of worms they don't want to deal with. They like just being by themselves. Some people like kind of the leverage that a team can provide. What was that thought process for you as you started that process of of, of starting your team? Yeah, so you know what? It's not a cookie cutter thing, right? Because your team actually, and um, I didn't even realize this at first, but your team, you know, can be structured uh, any way that you choose to structure your team. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a lot of people don't know that, but originally um, I got into being a managing broker, right? I, I, I said, if I wasn't going to be a managing broker, then I would start a team. But I got into being a managing broker. And then, like I said, I moved my business over to EXP. Um, but primarily, um, I'm focusing on building the organization within EXP, right? But I do treat it like a team. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but when you talk about the team per se, my, my team, right. The branded team, the heavy hitters, right. Team um, that I, I really structure that team for brand new agents that are coming in that I'm Mm -hmm. mentoring and I'm coaching. Right. I I really structure that for them. Okay. Um, 
Now, will it potentially grow? It, it seems like it might because I have individuals coming to me like, hey, Aziz, I want to, you know, kind of be a part of the team. I want to see what the team offers, et cetera. But really, I was doing that for brand new agents because I, were, I was mentoring them. And then um, it's just easier to keep tabs, transactions, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's where my team has primarily been focused. But can we expand the team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, when it comes to growing a team or building a team, it's basically, a, um, you know, it's based around value. You know, mm-hmm. what type of value can you offer to the individuals that's on that team? Can you offer an environment that's uh, conducive to growth? Uh, are you bringing your knowledge? you know, training individuals to get to a point where they need to be, that might be a reason why they join a team. Are you providing leads for the team, right? So that they don't have to go out there and, you know, fish and hunt so much for themselves. What's the value that you're going to bring to that team um, to make them want to, you know, operate with you? And, um, you know, all of it plays a part, but a lot of it is going to be the value that you bring in your knowledge you know, um, to, to get them to a level where they want to be. I, I used to always joke about when I first got into real estate, everybody I would talk to like, Oh, I always thought about getting in real estate too. And so, um, I was like, at, at least you have a common thread in a conversation with pretty much anybody. Cause everybody's thought about getting in real estate at one point in time, but the reality is it's hard. Like there's people that come in, they have success. They're able to just do what they're supposed to do. And you just see their career grow. And then there's so many people that struggle because they like the freedom. They like the unlimited income potential. What they don't realize is it takes really hard work to build that momentum. And so, you know, joining a team right out of the gate, there's a lot of value there. And I love that you touched on value proposition because um, it's not just about, hey, I joined a team and they're taking half my commission or whatever you decide that to be. It's no, there's there's a legitimate learning curve there. And there is a lot of value that new agents coming on a team can experience how to structure their day. You know, what what do the top producers do? The knowledge piece is huge. Being able to walk through and shadow on appointments or calls to hear how that goes and to figure out how to spend time lead generating and finding new clients while still processing your existing clients that are under contract and closing. Like there's a learning curve there. So there's a lot of value to being on a team. And for some people too, they like the leverage that it provides. You know, I've I've got an agent on my team that's like, I don't even want to know how the admin side works. <laughs> I like not not even touching that. And so you can operate in your skill set and in your area of passion as well. If you don't want to do the whole business, you don't want to be the 24-7 realtor. You don't have to be. So there's a lot of value that being on a team can provide. And yeah, like you said, it comes down to what is your value proposition? And there's lots of teams out there that have different value propositions. And so there's there's no team that's like the other team. Everyone kind of has their own flair, their own personality on it, and their own value that they provide. And it's finding that right fit for you and what you're looking to get out of your real estate career. Yeah, I think one of the major pieces of it, too, is the accountability piece, you know, because uh, there's individuals that come into real estate as real estate agents that don't even realize they're truly starting their own business. They are truly entrepreneurs at this point. They feel like they're getting their real estate license. They're going to come in. It's going to be more so like a job. They know it's not going to be like a job, like a nine to five job. 
but they I don't think they necessarily expect that it's going to be full blown entrepreneurship either. <laughs> right. And because yeah. of that, I think it's like, OK, I got my license. Um, I, I kind of know what to do, but do I actually do it? And how am I using my time? And if you don't have anyone there for those individuals to be uh, to hold them accountable, then they can find themselves just slipping into not doing any activity. And of course, if they're not doing any activity, then they're not getting any results. So um, that accountability factor, uh, if you join the right team, uh, is going to be major as well for individuals because it's definitely not a nine to five job. You don't, you have to be, if if you don't need the accountability is because you are a self-starter, you are a self-motivator and you're like, Hey, I can go get this job done by myself, right? You have those individuals, but a lot of individuals they need, and it's okay, right? It's okay that they need some guidance. They need a push and they need some accountability. Yeah, that is a hard thing because as a as a solo agent, you could do anything you want. You know, you could decide I'm gonna, you know, today's a cold day outside when we're filming this. I could go watch a movie right now, or I could go play video games, and nobody's gonna tell you no, you can't do that because you don't have a boss telling you you can't do that. And so that's the challenge of holding yourself accountable. Um, you know, I I have this office down here. I'm it's out of my house, and yet at the same time. I, I have this mental piece where it's kind of like I'm clocking in at, at a certain time every day and I'm here. You know, I, I do have the luxury, um, you know, of going to see my kids if I, you know, for lunch or something like that. But at the same time, this this is still my job. And so even though I don't have anybody telling me what I can and can't do, I have to hold myself accountable to that. So, yeah, the, t- the team accountability can be really, really helpful for people getting started, too. And and even later in life, too, the. We all we all fall into to traps of not being as accountable as we should. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, real quick, then uh, you had kind of talked about your your investment journey. Um, so, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about how that grew for you, and and really the mindset behind it. So many people want to invest in real estate and they they stay on the sidelines because I, I'm not ready yet. I don't know the right property. I don't know the perfect thing. And they're just waiting for the perfect thing to come along for them to move forward. So I'd love to kind of hear how you decided to just make that leap and how that that grew for you and, and kind of the, the benefit that that paid off for, for those that haven't yet gotten into the investing side. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the first decision to get into real estate, the first property that I purchased, that was a no brainer, right? Because I had, you know, uh, the the option to continue to pay rent or I had the option to buy a property and I didn't really like paying rent. So I was like, you know what, let me buy a two unit property and um, I'm going to live in one unit. And then I'm going to rent the other unit because I'm trying at that point to cut the cost of living. Right. If I, if I can, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. So, I, I mean, it didn't cover uh, the entire mortgage, you know, from one unit, but I wasn't paying very much out of pocket um, mm-hmm. after that. You know, it, I mean, it covered majority of it. So I wasn't coming very much out of pocket just to live. Right. And then the other thing that I did was the one thing that I did do was I found a property that had a good size uh, and height in the basement. 
Mm-hmm. Right, because I wanted to l- turn that into a living space. I say at some point I'll turn this into a living space, storage space, record. I'll do something with it, right, to maximize that potential. Because I could look at it like, hey, I could buy an, a whole nother property, or I could just, you know, fix this area down here and then leverage it. Mm-hmm. So I did that as well. That was just my first property. Like that right there set the tone. Mm-hmm. That one move right there set the tone. Okay. And then I went and then I bought another property and the plan was to do the same thing with the basement, but I never ended up doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I ended up selling it. But on that journey, um, I had uh, now become a landlord for several years. Right. And I saw what the experience was there as well. So then I learned from it and I grew from it. And I said, okay, next properties that I'll buy, that I'll buy and hold, I'll do things a little different. I didn't lose any money, right? And then equity went up and then I sold. And so I didn't lose any money, but could I have made better decisions? Yes. But you got to understand, this is me making decisions that I had nobody in real estate around me to tell me what decisions that I should make. I read the books. I read the... uh I watched the videos, YouTube videos, et cetera. Uh, but it's nothing like jumping in, doing it yourself. You can, you know, it's great to be not become knowledgeable, but at the end of the day, you're still following somebody else's experience, right? And what they experience, what might be good for them, might not necessarily be good for you. But at least you can go into it uh, making an educated decision. Right. So you shouldn't be too far off if you just kind of follow systems and the mentorship and coaching of individuals that have already done it. Right. Mm-hmm. But a few things that I I, I learned that I didn't like, and I'll and I'll list those off because I think this would be a great, some great information. Um, well, I'm close to the city of Chicago, right? So uh the city of Chicago, what I learned years ago. Learned some of the properties in the city of Chicago do not have water meters, <laughs> so you can buy you can buy a property there, and the, and the bill would just be uh, bi monthly or every three months, uh, and then it would be a solid bill no matter how much water was run, right? So that was something that was very important because if you get a busted pipe, if you have a tenant that has a running toilet and they don't tell you because they don't really care. That could take that whole month's profit right right away from you, right? So that was one thing that I learned. So I started looking at properties um, that you know didn't have water meters. Okay. Uh, the other thing was, uh, and I learned this after my very first property. I looked at properties that had separate utilities, like separate uh, gas meters, separate electrical meter, where where everything was separated, and then there was a common area. Right. That way I wouldn't have to worry about paying a light bill or gas bill or keeping someone's gas on, even if they weren't paying the rent because it's the middle of the wintertime, et cetera. That would be solely on them. Right. That saved me a cost as well. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, last thing that I learned, and, and that's why I'm kind of into um, I got some townhomes right now that I'm renting. Uh, I'm probably going to pick up a single family. I like townhomes and single family. And a lot of people say, well, don't get townhomes, get multi-unit. Well, I like it for the first one that you're in because you're going to be living there too. Uh, The next property, I don't know if I necessarily like two and three 
units, maybe four unit, but definitely five and above. But if you are going to stay residential, you have to go two to four units. Try your best to buy a four unit. Uh, that's That would be my best advice versus a two unit. And the reason being is what I saw was that um, there's a lot of turnover because typically when someone rents an apartment, unless you're doing long-term leases, right? But when they when they rent an apartment, it's really just a pit stop. They're not really planning on staying too long. You know, you might get a good run for some tenants, but the majority of tenants that I experienced in the area that I was renting in, it was a pit stop, right? So there was turnover or they didn't pay the rent. And then you had downtime and then you lose money and then you go through evictions, et cetera, right? So um, one time, and I didn't even, I, I didn't even come to this conclusion on my own. I came to this conclusion just by being around real estate. One time I'm out showing houses, single family homes to an investor. Okay. And I'm like, why does this guy, this years ago, why does this guy want to buy single family homes? So he said, well, it's just, you know, it's cheaper. It's something that I can maintain. I just want to try single families. So, okay, if that's what you want to do. It's fine. He didn't even realize what he was doing, what he knew he was doing, what he, what he, what he was going to get. Right. So when I, when I started showing these single family homes, they were typically occupied and there were renters in them, right? And I would start talking to the individuals that were there. And when I talked to them, I found out that these individuals had been living in these homes for five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years. They took care of all the utilities, cut the grass. Sometimes they would even do repairs to the place, you know, because they felt like that was their home at that point because it was a house. Didn't mm-hmm. really get that with renters in apartments, right? So I said, man, so I saw it one time. I said, ah, maybe that's just that one person. Then I would go to another house. I'm talking to, this over like the course of a couple of weeks and we're showing houses and it became more, than, more so than showing the houses for me, gathering information. And I started realizing there was a pattern. People had stayed in these houses. And, and that's what you want when you have rentals. You want long-term tenants that do their best to maintain the property because they feel like that is their home. You want to take care of those tenants. You want to be a good landlord, a great landlord to those tenants because they will likely be there for a long time. And then the other thing that I couple with that is Section 8. Um, I do Section 8 on my properties. I allow Section 8 on my properties because even when this pandemic hit, and people were not getting, landlords were not getting paid, Section 8 landlords were still getting paid, right? So uh, people who have a bad stigma around individuals that um, have Section 8, and I've heard like, oh, they're going to tear your property up. They're not good tenants. And Well, you got to interview your tenants that are Section 8, just like you would anyone else. Don't just take the first person that's Section 8 because they're they're coming with the, with the papers and you say, oh, it's going to be like guaranteed money. Well, still interview them as if you would interview anyone else. So I've had some pretty good success uh, with my Section 8 tenants and I take care of my tenants as well so that I make sure that they're happy. So yeah. that's, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I love about real estate is <clears throat> there's a whole ocean of opportunity. What some people enjoy doing, others don't. And, you know, being on an investor-focused team, yeah, there's some people that are like, ah, Section 8, I don't really know. And some people are like, I love it. I've had a great experience. Some people, 
you know, want townhomes. Some people say no. Some people want single family homes. Some people say no. Some people want certain areas or neighborhoods. Other people say no. So that's the beauty is everybody has their own goals, what they're trying to accomplish and how that works and their own preferences. And it's just a, an ocean of opportunity and you can carve out your niche and there's plenty, there's plenty of room for everybody. It's an abundance mentality here. And and what I want to add is, um, because I know somebody's going to be watching this and they might take my advice and they said, start going that lane and they might start researching it. Well, I found townhomes that did not have associations. They used to be in associations, but they're not in associations. So I don't have to pay monthly or annual dues on it. And the taxes are low, right? So the properties and I buy them, I buy cheap properties, right? As well. I look for cheap properties that are in good condition, right? And then sometimes you got the, it's a needle in a haystack. And sometimes you have to be patient with it. Right. Mm-hmm. But you just have to be prepared, have your credit right, have your money right. Uh, so when that time comes, you can't strike on the opportunity. Um, so the properties give me good returns. And because they give me good returns, I'm able to have a property manager manage the properties so that uh, I'm not hands on because uh, we got a big snowstorm coming. And in my first two properties, I would have been out uh, shoveling that snow after work. You know, and I worked the second shift and I would be out there 12 o'clock at night shoveling snow because I knew I was going to be too tired in the morning. And then I was going to have to go back to work. And I did the out of it. This six inches of snow everybody's talking about that you got that's supposed to be coming. I would have been shoveling both of those properties uh, in the Mm -hmm. beginning. But, uh, you know, you live, you learn and then you earn. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Aziz, for coming on and uh, sharing your experience and your story. Um, how can folks get a hold of you if they if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Really simple. Just go to www.coachaziz.info. C-O-A-C-H-A, Z as in zebra, I, Z as in zebra, dot info. Coachaziz.info. They can find all of my links. They can find all of my social media uh, ways to contact me, follow me on and subscribe on uh, YouTube uh, and then follow me on all the social media sites as well. Feel free to inbox me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you sharing your time and sharing all your expertise with everybody. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day.